y'all doing this morning? How are y'all doing this morning? Welcome to Family Day at Gap Hill. Let's stand together and sing that Christmas hymn together. Go tell it on the mountain. And go tell it on the mountain.
Oh, see. 
of your presence, O oh God, where we meet you. We've got a new meet where we are at, O oh God. 
And we bless you and magnify you. Touch us today, I pray. Touch your people, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Continue to worship as you're seated. we give this team a hand clap today for leading us into the presence of God. Thank you, guys. How many of you are glad to be in church today? Aren't you glad to be alive and well? This is the last service before the new year. I was writing something the other day and went to write the... I was on a check, actually, and I was writing the last two digits. And um, I told myself that day... I'm going to write 24, and I'm not going to make a mistake the whole year. I guarantee you that's wrong. I guarantee you that is wrong because I will, in fact, make a mistake on that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. One thing that I've learned is that time flies, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you something. It feels like yesterday that um, I, was, I was just getting out of high school, to be honest with you, and getting married, and man... Feels like yesterday. Any of you older folks can, can attest to that. Do you feel the same way? No. All right. Thank you for the hope that you have given me. <laughs> I appreciate it. Today I want to preach a topic, if the Lord would help me for just a few moments, because this is what I want God to do for us in 2024. When Abraham's altar became Jacob's well. When Abraham's altar became Jacob's well. In the book of Genesis, let's go to chapter 12 and let's read verse 5 through 7 this morning, if I could. The Bible said, He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Moray. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. But then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared unto him. He built an altar. Isaiah chapter 12, I want to read this one to you. In that day you will say, I love this verse, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength. He is my defense. He has become my salvation. I love this verse. With joy, you will draw water from the... Anybody here to help me? From the wells... Of salvation. When, when I read my text today, and, and I'll give you a little background. I don't want to go in too deep because I don't want to be too lengthy today. Many of you Bible readers already know the story. But the Lord moves on the heart of Abraham one day and he says to him, I want you to get out of this land. And if you will leave this land, I am about to take you to a land of promise. I am going to take you to a place. You leave this homeland the homeland that he's living in, 
has been given the idol worship, all right, they're worshiping false gods. Everywhere you look, there's a temple to a false god. And God said to Abraham, it is time for you to leave this land behind and I am going to give you a new land and at the same time I am going to make you a great nation. He gives him the promise as many of you know look at the sand on the ground as many as the sand of the sea is so will your descendants be. Look up to the sky as many stars as you can see. These two will be your descendants. Get up from this land and go to another land. Aren't you glad today? That God has called us out of what we used to be. And He has called us and given us a new land to dwell in. Aren't you glad that God took you out of your old lifestyle? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you used to be. And now some of you, some of, you know, we, we talk about people that are sinners. Let me tell you something. What I've found oftentimes is the people that are in the deepest places and darkest places of sin are the people that shout amen the loudest. And we wonder why they act the way they act, right? It's like the guy that went to the bar every weekend and he got saved and God changed his life and he used to run down the middle of the aisle and he would cut a front flip right there in front of the church. And people thought, what in the world's going on with this man? He's crazy. To which he told them that I gave the devil 100%. And if I gave the devil 100%, then I'm going to give God 100% too. And he would shout and praise God. You know that when you've been in a dark place, and when you've been in the hell holes of the world, you're glad when Jesus Christ calls you out of that darkness into his marvelous lights. It's like the old songwriter wrote, I'm in a new world since the Lord saved me. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you know what I'm talking about, could you say amen right there? As Abraham began to enter the land that the Lord was going to give him, he comes to a place that is known as Shechem. In some translations, you would find this word to mean, uh, to say Sychar is another pronunciation of the word or another name of it, but we'll probably refer mostly to Shechem today. And it is at Shechem that God confirms, reconfirms his promise to Abraham. Listen, there's sometimes that we start doubting God, right? Anybody ever been there? Sometimes you need God to come to you again and remind you of the promise He gave you. Amen. <laughs> that is why every year I read this book we call the Bible. I don't do it because I want to get up and say, Oh, I've read the Bible through this many times or that many times. Or, or I've read, it's not for accolades. The reason I read this book we call the Bible is because sometimes I've got to get back in it and I've got to read a verse that I read 10 years ago or that I read last year that, that I forgot all about and I've got to read it again and say, Wait a minute. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, I remember that scripture. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. Sometimes you need God to remind you He is still there. His promises are still true. And you're going to get that from this book called the Bible. Amen. When he gets to Shechem, the Bible says that Abraham started building an altar to the Lord. Now, when we think about altars, what do we think about? Well, y'all are thinking about this beautiful altar I have around the front here, right? I don't know who built this thing, but whoever did was pretty smart. Let me just tell you. 60 years ago, however old this building is, they built these things just perfect to kneel down and put your arms on. God rest their souls. 
So we got an altar all the way around the front and all the way around the sides. This is our altar. But the altars in the Old Testament look nothing like this. When you look in the Old Testament, do you know what the altar is? The altar is a place of sacrifice and a place of death. When you think about the altar in the Old Testament, listen, I was reading my Bible not too long ago. Well, it was really the first of the year because this is way back in Exodus, Leviticus area. But, but the priests are doing sacrifices all day long. And I'm telling you right now, it gets bloody. Like they're talking about they, they slay the animal. They start splashing blood on the altar. I'm going to tell y'all, son, don't y'all be splashing no blood on this altar. They all this white, all stitched up with, with blood, and they're splashing it. This is what the altar looks like. It looks nothing like this. But I want to tell you something about even the modern-day altar. It's still a place of sacrifice, and it is still a place where death happens. A matter of fact, let me say it this way. You may have been a drunkard when you were in that old world, but when you came to the altar, guess what died? The drunkard died. I don't care what sin you were in. I don't care how bad it was. Guess what? The night you knelt at an altar, even if it wasn't in a church, if it was at your house beside your bed, you built an altar that day and it became a place of sacrifice and death and whatever was old in you that was living and alive, God killed it that day. Amen. It's a place of sacrifice. It is not easy to pray. How many of you know that? I've already told you. Save your money and stop going to the doctor and just pray at night and you'll fall asleep. I'm trying to save y'all money. Amen. Just say it loud enough that the devil can hear you mumbling, Jesus, I love you. I'm telling y'all, y'all to try it sometime because it works. it's the best tactic. But somehow... In the modern church, which we've changed a lot of things from the way that they were originally intended, the modern church has turned the altar of our church into places of blessings. But nowhere in the Bible will you find that anyone was ever blessed at the altar until first something was sacrificed and something was killed. Amen. Amen. See, 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 oh my goodness, you all hold, just hold on with Pastor Jimmy. I promise you we're going there. You can jump on the altar all you want. No, you're doing is jumping. You can holler at the altar all you want. You can shout at the altar all you want. And that is all it is. But when you die on that altar, when you say, God, it is not my will, but thine be done. When you do that at the altar, all of a sudden this place of sacrifice and death becomes a place that the Spirit can bless you at. So the altar we've established is a place of death and sacrifice. But then we move on to the second part. We move on to a well. And a well is the bipolar opposite of what an altar is. It's the exact opposite. Bipolar difference. An altar takes life, but a well gives life. And after Abraham built his altar, his place of death, he went on to obtain his promise. 
But Shechem is mentioned also in the life of his grandson. His name is Jacob. In Genesis 33:18, we are told that Jacob came to Shechem. It is the same place where grandpa was. But the Bible says there he built another altar to the Lord. I love the verse and the reason I love it is because of this. He knew he could not make it off of granddaddy's altar. He had to build his own altar. I never understood it growing up. I never understood. They'd be talking about you can't hang off your mama's coattail or dress tail or your daddy's coattail to go to heaven. I was like, what in the world are these crazy people talking about? But as I got older, I began to understand what they're trying to tell me. If you're going to have a relationship with Jesus, you're going to have to have a relationship for yourself. Sooner or later, your mama's going to die. Your daddy's going to die. They're going to be in heaven with Jesus. But you're still going to be here. My question to you is, have you learned how to build an altar? Because see, the practice of building altars is, it is a generational blessing, right? So Abraham builds altars because Abraham builds altars. His son Isaac builds altars. Because Isaac builds altars, his son, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, is building altars. Do you understand? Generation to generation. Our children need to be taught many things. Can somebody say amen? They need to learn some lessons. But the most important thing that a child can ever be taught is how to build an altar. How to pray. They can't always depend on you to do the praying for them. My mama prayed a many a prayer for me. And I believe that they still float around sometimes. I really do. Even after she's gone. I believe they float around sometimes and slap me right in my head. I really believe that. Those prayers are still floating around. That grandma who's dead, gone, who she used to pray, they're still slapping me in the head. I believe that there's children that are lost today that sooner or later they're going to come to an altar and they're going to die. The old man's going to die and it's going to be because mama prayed. Can somebody say amen in this house today that knows exactly what I'm talking about? So you understand with me today that the altar is this wonderful generational Passing down from one to the next. To my child, we could say, I, I have people that be, oh, well, my son, he plays softball so good. And I'm glad he does. But does he know how to build an altar? Does he know how to pray? Oh, but you don't know how good my girl is at sports. That's fine. My question to you is, does she know how to pray? Oh, but they're smart and they're going places. Who cares if they don't know how to pray? Because at the end of the day, none of it is going to matter. We've got to teach them how to build an altar. Can somebody shout amen? But it doesn't stop there. Even Joseph, who is Jacob's son, the Bible said he's second in command of Egypt. But he said to them, I do not want you to bury me in this God-forsaken land. I want you to take me with you. Look at Joshua 24. i got to hurry. The Bible said the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried, anybody see where they buried them? Y'all see that, right? It's the same place of the altar. Buried them at Shechem in the plot of ground, which, here we go, Jacob had bought for the sons of Hamer of Shechem for 100 pieces of silver, and which had become a what? An inheritance of the children of Joseph. 
He is passing down. This is your altar. Oh my God, have I could preach there another message when you inherit an altar, but I think I won't today. Why would anyone want to inherit a dirty, bloody altar that is infested with the stench of death? Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even Joseph, understood that God is divinely attracted to an altar. There is something about an altar that God cannot resist. There is something about the altar that He will meet you there. He is not impressed with our beautiful church. God, I I almost feel like preaching today. Jesus, help Jimmy. He's not impressed with our beautiful church. Even, even, Even Solomon figured it out. We talked about this the other week. He figures it out one day. He says, God, I've spent millions of dollars on this place. We got gold altars. We've got gold this, gold that. I mean, this place costs a, a fortune. People are coming from around the world just to see what Solomon's temple looks like and how great and how powerful I've become. But he finally realizes, you know what, God? This temple can't hold you. This temple ain't good enough for you. This altar isn't good enough or big enough for you. He understands. God's not impressed by the temple. He is not impressed by our sanctuary. Guess what? God is not even impressed by our attendance numbers. Don't everybody shout at once. You will ruin this message. Hear me and hear me good. You can... You can build a church. You can have a thousand people on your pews and none of them even know how to touch heaven. What have we accomplished? Oh, God, help me preach. Oh, we got good tithes. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. But where is the power of God? That is what we're hungry for. That is what we should be desiring. We cannot forget the importance of an altar. Somebody hear what I'm telling you today. He's looking for someone that will take one dirty heap, one dirty stone, and place it on another dirty stone and begin to construct this altar, one part of your dirty life, and put it on another and another. And the filthiness of your life, put it on here. Lay it on the altar as a sacrifice so that God can do something you never dreamed of in your life before. So after Joseph's life, Shechem is mentioned in much of the Old Testament. But I do want to share with you the scripture that mentions Sychar. It is, this is thousands of years later. Most everybody has forgotten about Abraham's altar that is in Sychar. This is old news, folks. Thousands of years. Watch this. Let's go to John chapter 4. I'm going to read this one to you. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, even though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Some of you grabbed it, some of you missed it. It is no longer Abraham's altar. Now 
normally it is Jacob slept. Jesus being weary, he sits down on his on the journey. Listen, Jacob's well was there. Over a course literally of thousands of years. God has been doing something in Sychar or Shechem that nobody really caught or knew about. Something was happening. God was transforming their altars into wells. The place that, that Abraham had sweated with blood, sweat, and tears had splashed and spilt blood had prayed for future generations to be blessed because of this altar. And now I'm all the way in the book of John chapter 4. The Messiah has been born. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, as we preached last week, He is here and all of a sudden now there is an altar that has been turned into a well. Verse 13. So there's this woman on the well. You know the story of the woman in the well. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I, verse 14, that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water, oh, I love this, that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. There is not only going to be a well right here, lady, but if you'll drink of the water that I've got for you, there's going to be a well that is going to be born inside of you. The night you got saved, your altar became a well. Something springing up inside of you. It's like I told you in our second text. Where the Bible said, therefore, with joy shall you draw from the wells of salvation. But the fact is, and I read my Bible and I marked it here. I've got a lot of notes. I should have reprinted this paper because this is crazy, Brian. This is crazy. Can't hardly even see it. My eyes are getting worse. i got to start using bigger font. In Genesis 26, there's something that happens to Isaac. The Bible said that he goes back to daddy's wells. But when he gets to daddy's wells, guess what had happened? The enemy had clogged up the wells. Read your Bible. It's the Philistines. They're the enemy of God. They have taken debris. They have taken rock. He's tried to build some wells himself. And they just clogged them bad boys right up. I want to tell you, I'm afraid that in some in some Christians' lives, we have allowed the enemy to come in and clog up the wells that used to spring inside of us. I wish you'd help me preach today. Oh, but pastor, I've been saved for 30 years. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem that you've been saved so long that you've forgotten the joy of the Lord that used to fill your life. What is it time for the church to do? What is it time for every believer to do? It is time for us to go and to pull all that mess out. Dig 
digging. The Bible said that Isaac just started digging another well. And there's a place in Numbers that wrote it this way. He said, spring up old well again. And I'm telling some of you, you need to ask God, give me back my joy again. Give me my shout again. Give me my rejoicing again. Give me my victory again. I want to draw from the wells of salvation with joy. God, help us that we do not get so comfortable with you that we forget what you did for us tonight that an altar became a well in our life. If you want a well, you need to build an altar. I'm going to say it one more time. If you want a well, then you need to first build an altar. I was reading my Bible and it is very interesting to me that in the tabernacle, we've got Solomon, as I talked about, all this splendor. But when you read about Solomon's temple, to us, it's like, what does this even matter? Who cares that a curtain was 40 furlongs? But to God, it matters. Every dimension. God's meticulous like that. Even when you read about the ark that Noah built... It was so many feet high, so many feet long. God gives us all the details. When Moses, even in the early day, started building the tabernacle, some of those most boring scripture you'll ever read other than a genealogy. I'm just going to say it like it is. It's an interesting study, but my goodness. I'm sitting here thinking, I don't want to know every foot. I don't want to know every inch. Just tell me you build an altar. But to God... It's important. And the reason it is important is that in the tabernacle, the two most important pieces, you want to guess? One was the altar, and the second was the Ark of the Covenant. But when God told Moses, I love this, when God told Moses the specs, the blueprint, he says, I want you to build the altar big enough that the ark can fit inside of the altar. Now, do y'all see why it's so important, these dimensions that we're talking about? The altar that represents sacrifice and death. The ark that represents the power and the presence of God. The altar was large enough that the ark could be placed inside of it so God's plan in the original tabernacle was that the altar was to be bigger than the ark we have tried to build bigger arcs but what God wants us to build is not bigger arcs he wants us to build bigger altars so that his presence can fit right in the middle of all of it. In other words, the bigger your altar, the bigger the ark you can contain. Everybody still with me? Are, are you still, if you're still with me, just nod your head. So now you're wondering why you're getting these tiny blessings. <laughs> that altar ain't too big. The dimensions say the ark has to fit in the altar. Little blessings. 
but to those that build them big old altars, to those that know how to labor in prayer, for those that say, I'm not going to let go of you, Jacob says, until you bless me. I'm going to build this ark until the presence of God fills this place and I leave knowing that I've touched heaven. And as he was building his altar, he thought at first it could be a quick prayer meeting. But he had to build an altar all night long. And at the break of day, let me go. And even at the break of day, my dear brother, Jacob said, I am not letting you go until you bless me. I have been building this altar. I have been praying. Now it is time for me to receive my blessing. And you know the story. He said, you shall be called no more Jacob. Your name is Israel. You are a prince with God. You just went to the next level, son. Oh, Jesus, help me today. The bigger your altar is, the bigger ark you can contain what makes us think that we can pray a one minute prayer and expect revival to break out can can, can I just preach this for just one second and I'll move on I know I've preached long enough already your heart ain't big enough to hold that ark your one minute prayer ain't gonna get it done you're one time a week come to church and let's talk to Jesus for a couple minutes isn't going to bring the miracle you need oh Jesus help us today like the disciples they're sitting here praying they're trying to cast out demons they can't cast them out Jesus says to them this kind comes out only by prayer and by fasting Your altar is not big enough for the ark to fit here today. You don't have the power, God, to be able to cast out this devil. And what did did Jesus say to them? He looks at them. He rebukes them. He says, my goodness, I've been wanting to feed you meat. I've been, well, I'm here with you for just a little while, three and a half years. That's how long you've got me. Make the most of it. You've been walking around with me. You've seen all these miracles. You know how this thing works by now. And here you are. I'm wanting to give you meat. I'm wanting to give you some real stuff that's deeper than your little superficial little altar call. I'm wanting to make you powerful men and women of God. To which he says, but guess what? You're still in diapers. And when I desired to give you the meat, the only thing that you could handle was the milk. God wants to send something to his church today. But our elders say that we're not ready for what God is trying to send. We serve this God that his power is unlimited. Why stand in ankle deep water? Ezekiel 47. When there's a river out there that God's wanting you to swim in. God's power is unlimited. Let's quit putting God in this little tiny box called our altar. And let's grow this thing bigger. And let's ask God for more things that he's ever done before I'm going to leave you with this it's a matter of progression the depth of your repentance determines the height of your revival how willing you are to sacrifice yourself on that altar determines how close to God you're going to be if you want to hold on to the world you're not going to have this me and Jesus are like this relationship 
If you want to hold on to your flesh and don't want to let go of it, guess what? You're not going to have this relationship with God that you can just say the word and all of a sudden fire is falling from heaven. That's not the way this thing works. Any man or woman of God that was ever powerful, it is because they died at the altar. And then God turns it into a well. But here we go in closing. Isaac was the chosen son of Abraham. God said, for my chosen one, I'm going to use you to illustrate a different point. You're my chosen. Just like us today. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a peculiar people. You're not just anybody. You're somebody. Royal blood flows through your veins. And the devil knows that and it scares him every time that a saint of God decides to hit their knees. Because he knows that if we're willing to stay down here long enough, there's nothing he can do to stop what God is about to send our way. I'm I'm, going to leave you with this. Let's, Let's go to Genesis 26 verse 19 and I'll close. Also Isaac's servant, this is the chosen son, Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley. They found a well of running water there. Look at what happens. But the herdsmen of Gerar, they sound just like modern day church people. They quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and they said, the water's ours. (laughs) This well is ours. So he called the name of the place, or well, Esek, which means quarreled. They quarreled with him. But verse 22 So he moved from there, verse 22, and he moved from there and he dug, go back to the last one. I'm sorry, Chevy, I'm getting ahead of myself. Thank you. He's trying to keep me straight back there. Then they dug another well and look at what the church folks did again. They quarreled over that well also, so he names it Sitna, which means strife. So we've got quarrel and we've got strife. Now verse 22. And he moved from there and he dug another well. Well, number three. And they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room. I want y'all to see those, those three words. There is room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. Go on, I'm closing. Rehoboth means broad places. I mean, this is Old Testament stuff. One person blessed at a time. One person receives a miracle at a time. So when they see Esek, they think, we got to get this well for ourselves. When they see Sitna, they say, we got to get this one for ourselves. But finally, when Rehoboth's well is dug, it finally deems in their little hard heads, God has made room for us off. For, all, for us all. We don't have to fight for a blessing like they did. A matter of fact, you recall the pool of Bethesda. The Bible said that they're fighting to get there. Literally. When this man is laying here and he can't move, he can't walk, he's paralyzed, to which Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? The man starts making excuses and says, hey, I've been trying I try to get in that water, but every time I try, somebody gets in before I do. One person at a time. Let's let's do a line here. One person at a time. One blessing at a time. But Jesus looks at that man that day and he says, Rehoboth is here. There is a well that is about to spring up. You're looking at him.
this well if you drink from me you'll never thirst again and inside of your heart wells are going to spring up too the days of fighting over blessings are over do you want to be made well well of course then you're well what it's that easy I've been laying here for years oh but I heard your voice and I've heard you crying and I've heard you praying today's your day but, 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 but I didn't get in the water no buts you don't have to get in the water the well is here and then in the book of Acts chapter 2 there's a place called Pentecost do you know what the Bible said and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost they finally realized there is room for us all But isn't it amazing in a church dispensation of grace to where men and women have total access to God when they pray? Total access. You want a blessing? You can have a blessing. I'm going to open the altar today. There may be a few people that decide I'm going to go to the place of sacrifice and death. I'm going to let God transform my altar into a well. But you'll be surprised, those that just, it's not for me. In a time that we have access, what I'm telling you, there is room for us all. Your finances, your miracle, my blessing, there's enough. This altar can become a well for everybody. Not just one. I'm going to leave you with this. There are some wells that have been opened by God. Obviously, Pentecost was one of them. There's room for all. But there was another revival you heard me talk about, and I'm going to read this, and I'm going to close right here. It was called the Azusa Street Revival. It is a historic Pentecostal revival meeting that took place, yes, in liberal Los Angeles, California. It is led by William J. Seymour, who is an African-American preacher. It starts on April 14th. My birthday's the 18th, just in case y'all need to know that. April 14th, 1906, at the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And it continued over eight years until roughly 1915. The revival was characterized by speaking in tongues, dramatic worship services, and interracial mingling, which was a no-no. The participants received criticism from secular media and Christian theologians for behaviors that were considered outrageous and unorthodox, especially at the time. Today, the revival is considered by historians to be the primary catalyst for the spread of Pentecostalism in the 20th century. Soon the crowds became very large. They were full of people that were speaking in other tongues, shouting, singing, and moaning out of the Spirit. Finally, one said that the front porch collapsed. It forced the group to look for a new meeting place. A resident of a neighborhood described the happenings at 214 Bonnie Bray Street with the following words, quote, They shouted three days and three nights. It was the Easter season. The people came from everywhere. By the next morning, there was no way of getting near the house. As soon as people would come in, they would fall under God's power, and the whole city was stirred. 
they shouted until the very foundation of the house gave away. But no one was hurt, end quote. Worship at 312 Azusa Street is a new meeting place. It is frequent. It is spontaneous with services that literally are going around the clock. Among those attracted to this great move of God were not only members of the holiness movement, but the Baptists, the Mennonites, the Quakers, yes, even the Presbyterians. An observer at one of the services wrote these words, quote, no instruments of music are used because none are needed. There is no choir because the angels have been heard by some singing in the Spirit. No collections have been taken. No bills have been posted to advertise the meetings. No church organization is backing it. All who are in touch with God realize that as soon as they enter the meetings that the Holy Ghost is the leader of it. End quote. Among first-hand accounts, were reports of blind having, having their sight restored. Diseases being cured instantaneously. Immigrants were speaking in German, Yiddish, and Spanish, all being spoken to in their native language by uneducated black members who translated the languages into English by what the paper called supernatural abilities. In a skeptical front page story, it was titled, we're babble of tongues. A L.A. reporter attempted to describe what would soon be known as the Azusa Street Revival. Quote, they're breathing strange utterances amounting a creed which it would seem no sane mortal could understand the story began. The newest religious sect has started in Los Angeles. Another local paper in September of 1906 describes the happenings with the following words. Quote, disgraceful intermingling of the races. They cry and they make howling noises all day and into the night. They run, they jump, they shake all over. They shout to the top of their voice. They're spinning around in circles. They're falling out on the sawdust blanketed floor, jerking, kicking, and rolling all over it. Some of them pass out and they do not move for hours as though they were dead. These people appear to be mad. Mentally deranged, they are under a spell. They claim that they're filled with the Spirit. They have a one-eyed illiterate Negro as their preacher. Are you ready? Who stays on his knees much of the time with his head hidden between the wooden milk crates. He doesn't talk very much, but at times he can be heard shouting, Repent! He's supposed to be running the thing. They repeatedly sing the same song. The Comforter has come. Yes, the attenders of this meeting were often described as holy rollers. Holy jumpers, tangled tongers, and even holy ghosters. Reports were published not only of the strange happenings in Los Angeles itself, but reports were published throughout the entire U.S. and yes, even the entire world. A one-eyed, illiterate Negro with his heads between the milk crates. That's what started the Azusa Street Revival. It was not a good preacher. God help us. We think we gotta have a good preacher to get something stirred up. Really? Are we that shallow that we think we gotta hear another sermon to have revival? 
If sermons brought revival, my gosh, there's some great preachers in the United States of America. I know some of them and I've heard them. If it was good preaching that brought revival, America would be on fire and you'd be reading about it on Facebook today after you got out of church. What happens is when somebody decides that they're going to go to the altar and they're going to leave that place Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. There is something about the altar. When we come to it and we sacrifice ourselves, we spend time at it, not just during church, but during the week. And we're praying and asking God for something. I'm telling you, God is getting ready to turn somebody's altar into a well if you can believe that today I want you to give God a hand clap of praise in this house let's stand I'm done oh you're holy Jesus oh you're holy Sing it with us, you are holy, Jesus. You
I'm asking you, Lord, that you would come in the middle of them. I'm asking you that you would let something spring up inside of us. The joy of our salvation. The joy of knowing who you are. The joy of just enjoying being a Christian. The joys of worshiping such a great God, such a mighty Savior. We praise you, Jesus. for a miracle in my life I believe you for a miracle in my life
I'm whole and you are. Sing it with us as we close. You're holy. I praise you, Jesus. You are so. going to turn your honor into a well this very week in Jesus' name. You are holy. I know you are, Lord. You are so, so holy. And you are your holy Lord of all. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Praise God. Couple announcements. Sunday, January 14th, Joyful Praise Senior Adult Choir Practice Meeting Room will be in the choir room at 5:30. Gap Widows Meeting Tuesday, January 23rd at noon. Kim Kearns is going to be the guest speaker that day, and of course, we'll have some great food there. Also for Lila Galloway's, uh, pray for her family. Edwin, her son, as many of you may know, passed away. I have been told that the service, I talked to her, the service is going to be at Gap Hill. And I'm under the impression that it is going to begin Saturday at 1 p.m. So make a note of that if you would. Edwin Galloway passed away, went to be with Jesus. Continue to pray for Miss Galloway and, uh, and for Evelyn. Is Evelyn his wife? Evelyn, yes. So continue to pray for Evelyn. Wonderful people. Also, the church hoodies are out there. If you want them, they're only $20. If you don't have cash, you can put it on push pay. On, uh, we'll just trust you to put it on general funds. That's fine. Or offerings, just put it under offerings. And, um, and you can donate there for those. There's hats out there. I think those are 20. We got some free car magnets out there I need to get rid of. So if you don't have a car magnet, you ought to grab one, slap it on that car advertise for the church. There's also some bands out there that are free. Grab those on your way out if you want to. Aren't you glad that Jesus is alive and well, folks? Have you enjoyed His presence today? I know I have. It's been a joy to be in the house of the Lord. This is the last service. I want you to, into perspective, this is the last service that we will have in 2023. Hasn't God been good? And going into 2024, Let's not carry our weights and all those things with us. Starting in 2024, this is our mentality. God's plan has always been this and it always will be. You build an altar and I will turn it into a well. So when you get down and despondent, I'm telling you what to do, ladies and gentlemen. Hit your knees. Pray. Build an altar. Give yourself to God. Die on it if you have to. And then stand back and watch God. And the well will spring forth. If you believe it, shout amen today. God bless you.